Thank you for joining me on a little bit of a journey down the wellness rabbit hole. We have a corker of an episode for you this week. But first is today's wellness tidbit. It is surrounding what scientists are calling the single most valuable personality trait known to the human race. And that, my friends, is conscientiousness. As defined by these scientists, it is basically a combination of efficiency, organization, neatness, and a systematic approach to just being awesome. It also includes characteristics like self-discipline, being careful, thoroughness, self-organization, and deliberation. So these are basically just a whole bunch of productivity terms that I've thrown at you. The article that I'm reading goes through a whole bunch of uh, other things, including long marriages, healthier life. But what it does say is, which I find interesting, it says conscientiousness was the best predictor of longevity when measured in childhood. Also, it turned out to be the best personality predictor of a long life when measured in adulthood. So this conscientiousness uh, really does contribute to longevity in life. I'm going to go ahead and leave that study with you guys in the show notes and not say the word surrounding that study again, because I can't seem to spit it out. But one last time, conscientiousness. Alrighty, guys, it's that time of the episode where I'm about to introduce our guest for today. His name is Andrew Taylor, and he has a very interesting story. Uh, he got to a point towards the end of 2015 where he was a bit down on his luck, fed up, incredibly overweight, and had just had enough of it, really. Uh, he'd suffered from various different bouts of depression, and his unhealthy lifestyle severely contributed to this. So he got to a point where he was like, something's got to change. And he decided to eat nothing but potatoes for the year of 2016. It was quite a topical move on his behalf. It got picked up by a lot of news outlets, radio stations, etc., etc., throughout the year of 2016. But what I was so interested in and what grabbed my attention in particular was the mindset behind what he was doing. It had nothing to do with the nutritional content of potatoes. I mean, we touch on that minorly, but what we're really delving into is the mindset of a man that had too much choice and was led to food as a crutch for greater issues in his life and once he took away that choice what his focus was then placed on was quite magical and incredible i'm going to leave you guys to have a listen to this interview it was incredibly inspiring from my perspective he's an awesome guy just a real salt of the earth kind of bloke and I just highly recommend you jump on his website and check out what he's got to offer. The name of the website is spudfit.com and he's doing a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of public speaking. He's got some uh, online courses as well as a book, it looks like. So jump on spudfit.com and check it out for yourself. But first, check out this honest, frank chat with Andrew Taylor, who has 
just done a miraculous job of turning his life around in a very meaningful way. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me. What's more, thank you for bringing your recording equipment to my apartment. <laughs> no worries. Well, we had to get this done one way or another. Oh, yeah. we've, tried, we've tried a number of ways, but we finally got there. TPG doesn't look after me with internet. <laughs> Nor does Elwood as yeah, a suburb yeah, yeah. in general. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew, I got you on the show because I came across your story and I found it intriguing for a number of reasons, uh, mostly of which was the psychological and emotional implications of why you took up eating nothing but potatoes for a full year of your life. Yeah, well, that was, that was it for me. It was all about the psychology of, uh, of my relationship with food. So I had this uh, realisation that I was a food addict and uh, I was relying on food for enjoyment and comfort and emotional support and pretty typical things that a lot of people use food for or alcohol or drugs or that sort of things too. And um, so, yeah, I had this realisation that I was a food addict and... Uh, that I needed to do something about it and I thought about other addictions and how alcoholics would quit alcohol, gamblers should quit gambling, etc, mm. etc et and, uh, and I thought I wished at that point in time that, uh, that I was an alcoholic or something instead because <laughs> I thought it would be easy to quit then rather than just trying <laughs> to make these healthy choices every day and uh, then that line of thinking led on to maybe I could quit food so... But, yeah. Has it been a uh, challenge? I, I can only imagine it has been a challenge for you uh, for, for many years of your life, if not decades, uh, having the association or the, um, the negative association with food. Yeah, definitely. It, was, uh, uh, it goes right back to a child, as a child, a young boy, I was bullied at school a lot and uh, you know, life wasn't as bad for me as it would be for some people since I was always the biggest, strongest kid around. So... It was you know, things rarely got physical and that, but it was still I didn't enjoy school and those sorts of things because I would get bullied every day. And then through my teenage years, uh, I became an elite marathon kayaker. So uh, and I was I won Australian championships and that. But even the whole time through my kayaking career, I was still always five to ten kilos too heavy. And um, you know that was a struggle then because it was it was probably you know it's only speculation but it, I feel like it was probably the difference between me being one of the better kayakers in Australia and maybe one of the better guys mm. in the world and I I just couldn't crack that code you know so mm. that was a frustration too and then you know it continued on once I stopped that and kept getting bigger and bigger and yeah so uh, this is a very common uh, trait amongst. Uh, immediate, uh, intermediate to professional athletes as well those that are training super hard um, yeah. they have a whole bunch of endorphins that are firing at any which time and uh, you know they're obviously they're obviously uh, churning through all the calories that they're eating yeah. as well and once you stop you have these highs that you're used to achieving mm-hmm. and often they are kind of replenished with uh, the, the instant gratification of food. Yeah, that's a really, really good point that I haven't actually thought that much about. But yeah, there's, you know, I was racing nearly every week and like you said, getting the highs that I got from racing and when I stopped racing, I had to find a way to, you know, replace those highs. But it was all, not just that, it was also, like you said, I'm training, I was training four, sometimes six hours a day and that requires a lot of food. So when you stop training that, but you're used to eating that amount, mm-hmm. then, you know, suddenly... Uh, five to ten kilos becomes fifty kilos pretty quick, <laughs> and it happens really, really yeah. quickly from what I've from what I've witnessed as well. In fact, I myself uh, uh, got injured 
maybe two years ago and I put on 10 kilos like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and, it, and it really does happen bef- without really even uh, knowing it. And food becoming a crutch can happen also without your conscious mind knowing it. So I'd love to kind of tap into uh, what the process was when you decided, right, this is becoming an issue in my life. And I would like to be able to address this from an emotional kind of perspective. Yeah, well, I guess the, the this particular part of my journey started when uh, I was I was clinically depressed and ang- suffering with anxiety, and um, and things were really not good for me. And uh, I was out with my son one day. We were, it was a beautiful day, we were walking along the lake, and um, it was beautiful, like twenty five degrees, blue skies, grass is green, everything's perfect. And I just broke down and started crying in the middle of this walk that I was doing with my son. And uh, he'd just turned two at that stage, and it was. I was just hated that, you know, my two-year-old son was uh, having to look after me and he was wiping my tears away and telling me not to cry and not be sad and those sorts of things. And that just broke my heart that my little boy shouldn't be looking after me. It should be the other way around, mm-hmm. right? So um, on the way home from that day out, I, uh, I've been a teacher for quite a while and I had the realisation that uh, every, basically every time I've met parents at a parent-teacher night, they're always the same as their kids, always. So then I, uh, that got me worried that uh, it didn't matter how much effort I put into being a good dad and providing for my boy, he was going to turn into me and I didn't want him to become a de- big, fat, depressed, hopeless mess, you know. So, so then I start, decided that I needed to do something about it and uh, so I just did my typical... Well, not typical, but I tried a new weight loss thing and I, you know, green smoothies in the morning, salads at lunch, healthy dinners and uh lots of exercise getting up at 5am and training and it lasted for about a month went really really well and then one day I thought I've been doing this for a month now going really well I deserve a reward let's have a slice of pizza tonight Uh, and of course long story short slice of pizza turned into the whole pizza plus some ice cream and soft drink and all of that and uh and then of course I didn't get up early and train the next morning I didn't have my green smoothie or my salad and all of that and I was sitting on the couch that uh, afternoon feeling really sorry for myself and feeling like really depressed and just uh disappointed and I went and grabbed a beer from the fridge sat on the couch cracked the beer and then straight away I thought the way I've been treating food is the way an alcoholic would treat this beer in my hand Mm -hmm. and that was that was the moment that uh the light bulb went on and went I'm a food addict I gotta Mm -hmm you know do something about this it's not trying to deal with what i weigh like trying to lose weight is just dealing with a symptom where the cause is an addiction so if i want to actually get on this thing on top of this thing for life i need to deal with the addiction rather than dealing with the numbers on the scales Mm, i I couldn't agree with you more and it's the way i've kind of approached a lot of my uh clientele when it comes to the health and fitness world i i understand the science behind fad diet this and nutrition that and there's there's credibility in in all this but the filter that i think is uh canvassed over that scientific evidence is the emotional attachment or the, the approach or the uh relationship the subject has with food and exercise yeah 100 percent like Everyone knows that deep fried Mars bars are unhealthy, you know, but people eat them anyway. Absolutely. And, and people that are 50 kilos overweight keep eating ice cream and chips and everything that they know is no good for them. So 
you know, there are different ideas of what a healthy diet is. Should you eat high fat, high carb, paleo, whatever. But in the end, everyone knows that ice cream is not a good idea, mm-hmm. but they keep eating it. So uh, knowledge, in my opinion, is not, you know, it's important. You should know what good nutrition is, but knowing what it is and actually doing it are two different things. We're, uh, not, yeah. we're not robots. We, yeah. we, 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 you can't just enter in a formula into our <laughs> yeah. system and, uh, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. And so, nor, nor yeah. do we want to be. It's what makes us human. Yeah, that's uh, right. But, you know, sometimes we do uh, take things a, a little bit far through whatever, like past experiences in life. And it seems like what, what really, really was the motivating factor for you was your boy. Yeah, hundred percent. That was, uh, like I said, I was I was depressed. I was in a major black hole in my life, and I, I was at the point where I had tried lots of things to deal with my depression, and just nothing seemed to work for me. So I was at the point where I felt like I'm stuck with depression. That's just I'm just going to have to settle in and deal with that for life, and that wasn't a good feeling to have. But it was just I felt like I just needed to accept that. But uh, and I didn't. You know, I thought my boy's going to grow up and be depressed like me because that's you now the apple never falls far from the tree. But I thought, well, I can't stop that. But maybe at least instead of growing up and being really fat and depressed, he can just he can be skinny and depressed. <laughs> so let's w- work on something that I can do something about. And that was losing weight. And obviously, I failed that first attempt. But then I, I came up with this potato idea. And, how did how did yeah. you how did you how did you create this brainchild <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it was back that when i cracked that beer and thought holy shit i am a foodaholic like you know if i was an alcoholic which i'm not going to say i've got a perfectly healthy relationship with alcohol i do drink too much from time to time but food was a major issue you're australian and, uh, yeah <laughs> yeah but you know alcohol is not destroying my life the way food was and uh so yeah i had this sudden realization i thought well i, I need a quit food well i don't need to i wish i could and uh and i was just mulling over that idea in my mind and i suddenly thought well maybe obviously i can't quit food but maybe rather than quitting i could find a single food that could keep me healthy and uh and keep me you know everything working the way it should and and then i could quit everything else and that would be getting as close as possible to quitting so uh, I picked up my laptop, it was sitting next to me on the couch amongst the pizza boxes <laughs> and, um, and I just did a Google search for the perfect food and the first thing that came up was a, a YouTube video uh, spoken by a guy called Dr. John McDougall and uh, it was called Potatoes the Perfect Food. So I watched that and, uh, and it had a whole heap of information in it about the history of potatoes and uh, you know the, the Az- right back to the Aztecs being the first people that... Uh, that centered their diet around potatoes and they learned how to freeze dry them and uh so they they nearly everything they ate was potatoes and then talked about the irish diet before the potato famine was mostly potatoes and uh the okinawans in japan have the most centenarians in the world and uh and they uh, their diet's changing as it gets more westernized but traditionally they ate mostly sweet potatoes and Anyway, on and on and on. There was a whole heap of information about how healthy potatoes are. And uh, so then that got me researching and I read a lot more. I spent a month or six weeks maybe doing two to three hours of reading every day and watching online lectures from nutrition scientists. And uh, yeah, so then I decided to do it. (laughs) Amazing. Look, I'm going to have to interject and say uh, my, my wife is 
a an enormous fan of potatoes. So Good when girl. she when she found out I was interviewing you, she was. Um, she was a little bit hot under the collar, I must say. At one stage, she was actually home from, from work last Friday and you were going to come around. She's like, is he coming around here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the potato man, the potato prince. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is, yeah. It's, it's pretty weird that, you know, this sort, sort of Z-grade level of fame that I've got in the last year that, you know, every now and then someone recognises me in the street or whatever and... So people want to say hi or get an autograph or whatever. It happens very rarely, but it does happen. And I'm like, this doesn't make... I'm just a guy who eats potatoes. I don't know what we're getting excited about here. Well, I think you make a really good point because there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, are quick to jump on the fact that uh, you're only eating one food group i don't know if this is still the diet that you maintain but you were only eating one food group and once again drawing back to what i was saying before from a strictly scientific perspective we should be eating uh, a variety of different foods and and getting Mm. nutrients from various different sources uh you know that is an argument yeah yeah but looking at it from the relationship emotionally that you've had with food in the past it's a very clear motivating factor as to why you've chosen to do this yeah 100 percent. it's all about um just changing the way i think about food and you know the a common argument that i get is that food should be um one of life's great pleasures it should be a source of enjoyment and all of that and and uh, yeah i agree it should be in the ideal world it should be and if you're someone who can eat one slice of chocolate cake and be done with it for a month and, you know, or go out for dinner and have, have a dessert on the odd occasion. And apart from that, you know, you're a month between bad meals and you don't really think about it and it doesn't cause you any trouble. Then great. I'm genuinely happy for you. That's what I'd like to be, but I just have to accept the fact that I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, there's, yeah, you have those instant gratification times where eating a bit of chocolate cake is fantastic. There's no denying that, but in the end, for me, the sum total of my food experience was uh, a, a painful thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that, yeah, in the moment of eating the food, I got pleasure, as people say you should, but, yeah, the sum total of the experience was something that made me miserable. So, mm. yeah, ideally it would be a source of enjoyment, but if it's not, then sometimes I think you just got to accept that that's not a, a way you can live, just like an alcoholic just has to accept that, I can't drink alcohol. I can't just go and have two quiet beers with my mates and watch the footy. You know, and, and, you're, just, absolutely, yeah. and you're spot on. Not, yeah. no, no one body is created uh, equally. No one person's collection of emotions are created equally. Hence, yeah. your relationship with food is completely individual and you're yeah. probably the best authority to... to <laughs> understand what your relationship with food is. Yeah, I'm the best authority on me, for sure. On you, I'm not here to try to say everyone else should do this. A lot of people have tried it and have been successful, but I'm just sharing my experience, mate, and if if other people get something out of that and want to join in, then that's good. But if not, you've got to go and find the thing that that you need to do for yourself. Absolutely. Uh, So throughout your experience, just continuing on on this um, emotional relationship with food, throughout your experience when you started... 
what were the immediate things that you actually found kind of came up for you emotionally when you uh, had that go-to uh, for potatoes constantly? Yeah, yeah, it was it was really hard. The first two weeks, you know, I get people do do this all the time now, and I get people writing to me saying, "This is the easiest diet I've ever done. This is great," and I'm like, "What? <laughs> I don't get it." Because it was really, really hard for me that first two weeks. Um, it was really emotional. I can't. Sorry, I can't remember exact like experience of emotions that came up, mm. but it was really emotional because when I had a bad day and I was having bad days every day because I was severely depressed. Uh, so when I had a bad time, I, I wanted to try to squash the emotions with food. I didn't, cons- I didn't uh, consciously realize it all the time, but that's what I was doing. Something would go wrong and I would want to try to make myself feel better by having ice cream and, uh, or pizza or mm-hmm. chocolate or whatever. And, uh, and yeah, suddenly I didn't have this crutch to fall back on. So my initially in the first week probably, I would say my depression got worse. It felt like it anyway mm-hmm. because... Uh, because I just I was a mess all the time because I just I couldn't suppress my emotions. Everything was just coming up and coming out, and yeah, it was hard. But I just felt like uh, I was just a hundred. I was a hundred percent confident in my plan that I would, if I could stick with it, I would. That I couldn't go on like that. I would have to find other things to do to help uh, to help deal with my emotions and. Yeah, I just felt like I didn't really have any particular plans over how to deal with the emotions. I just knew that I would be able to figure it out if I stuck with the potatoes and stopped squashing my emotions. And yeah, after a couple of weeks, things really, really got a lot easier. I wouldn't say it was totally easy, but it was pretty... I got in a groove after a couple of weeks and then I just rode it on through the rest of the year. I love it. Do you think that the the new light that you saw this food potato in had an effect on and and this is obviously just experiential yeah. uh y- your opinion um do you feel that the way you saw your source of nutrition being uh, potatoes do you think that your relationship with that food had an, a biological effect on your body once consuming it that's a really interesting question that i haven't thought about before uh yeah, uh, I, I think it's hard to say it wouldn't because, you know, we know about the placebo effect. You know, if you tell someone that they're having a pill that's going to do something really good for them and, and you, you give them a sugar pill without telling them so it's actually got nothing in it, the placebo effect, you know, does, it shows that it makes a difference in people's bodies. So, yeah, I, it would make sense. This is, I've not thought about it before, but it would make sense that since I'd learned so much about potatoes and how great they are mm-hmm. nutritionally, I didn't expect them to do anything for my depression. I thought that was something that I'd have to work on myself. But, um, yeah, why not? There's, mm. there's no reason to say that my, psychologi- my psychological ideas of what potatoes were uh, could have had an impact on my health. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I, yeah. I, it's a concept I think about regularly and mindful eating is something I try to practice yeah, yeah. as often as I possibly can. Yeah. And I know that when I am uh, not distracted when I'm eating and I am uh, 100% focused on the food, yeah. the uh, content of the food, the flavors of the food, and also creating a relationship understanding that this fuel uh, this food is a fuel source and it's yeah. going to make me healthy it's going to make me happy um 
generally speaking, you know, um, symptoms of indigestion or whatever uh, negative sen- uh, bloating, whatever yeah. it may occur, sen- seem to completely dissipate with yeah. with me. And That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, it's I don't, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, I, I think it's a super interesting field anyway to to kind of explore, and I, I continue to keep exploring it on a yeah. on, on a very kind of you know um, amateur level. Yeah, you know. no, I'm, I'm all about mindful eating these days. My my version of mindful eating is slightly different in that for me the mindfulness comes not so much while I'm actually eating, but more about when I'm making a decision about what to eat, mm-hmm. and uh, and just rather than just going, I'm hungry, I'm going to have a burger or a pie or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm going, I'm hungry, um, what can I eat that's going to make me feel the best and get the best out of my body? And, um, you know, because emotional eating is a big thing. You, mm. You've got a negative emotion and you want to squash it with food. So for me, it's about uh, understanding that emotional, the emotions that go with eating don't just come in the moment that you're eating. They, mm-hmm. You know, they come in the next hour, the next day, mm-hmm. the next six months as well, as the food has an effect on your body and your emotions, you've got to take that all into account. So, yeah, if you take into account how you're going to feel after eating a whole pizza and an ice cream and a, and a bottle of Coke as well, you know, the overall emotional experience for me is a negative one. So mm-hmm. that's, for me, it's about taking the time to go through that and, uh, and internalise it and then make my decisions based on what's going to, give me the best emotional outcome over the overall experience. So, yeah, I think that that's where my focus is for mindful eating. And then once I'm eating, it's just my decision's already made. I'm just eating. That's, um, but, yeah, I, I think it's – I should probably explore that aspect that you were talking about too. And, and likewise, me uh, exploring your tact on it as well because you're absolutely right. It doesn't just – mindfulness doesn't uh, occur just during the act of eating. Especially for somebody that's had such a, um, uh, such a, I guess, destructive relationship with food yeah. in the past, um, you know where uh, it, where the sequence of events kinds of kind of breaks out, yeah. yeah. and it's a credit to you that you've kind of acknowledged it and gone, okay, this is this is where it's really been a destructive kind of source yeah, for yeah. me. This is how I'm going to address it. Yeah, and I, I like that you use that term destructive relationship because I was talking with someone a couple of weeks ago who's a psychologist and he was um, relating it to uh, having a divorce from a, a wife or husband sure. and how, you know, it's it's a similar, in lots of ways, a similar relationship where, you know, my relationship with pizza and cake and all of that, it, whatever I was eating that was junk, it, it for a, a long time, it helped me, made me happy, you know, everything was good. And then there comes a point in time where it was no longer helpful. Mm. But I stuck with that relationship well beyond that time where it was no longer helpful and where it started causing me more pain than it did pleasure and just kept on going with it. And, you know, if, if, you were, if, if that was a, a woman that I was married to, you know, 10 years earlier, people would have been saying, you've got to leave her, mm. you know, you've got, to, mm. you've got to break this relationship up. But, you know, it didn't happen that way with food. And It's yeah. kind of like being in an yeah. abusive relationship. Exactly. It's you, exactly what it is. You're, you're, in this, uh, you're in this dynamic and it's very difficult to get out of. You're suffering from battered wife syndrome. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, <laughs> not to downplay that at all, but that's 100% what it is. It's like, you know, I was sticking around in this relationship because I thought it was helping me emotionally and I thought of all these 
you know, eventually I realized that all the positives that I thought, I was, everything that I thought food was doing for me in a good way, it was, mm. it was actually doing the opposite. Mm. And, you know, when I was eating pizza to try to make me feel good, yeah, in that moment it made me feel good, but in the long run it made me feel worse and worse. So I needed mm. more and more pizza mm. to pick me up and then it would progressively make me feel even worse. And uh, it took me a long time, obviously, to figure out that food was actually doing the opposite of what mm. I thought it was doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. And the reframing of pizza taking place of, of this food, talk to me about, you know, I, I heard you speak about uh, your internal dialogue when it came time for you to really want a piece of chocolate cake, for example. Yeah. And you'd say, I just smash, I'll have my chocolate cake. Yeah. But first, I'm going to have as many potatoes. Yeah, that was the first I thing I figured out was that, uh, yeah, it's there's in the beginning there. Obviously, there was going to come times when uh, it's it's time. Let's have some cake. And uh, so I came up with this rule that it was uh, I was not going to just say no. I'm never going to have cake ever mm-hmm. again, or even for the whole year. That just seemed like massive pressure that I just couldn't. Um, I couldn't sit there and think I'm never going to have cake again or even for the whole year. That was too much for me. So I decided rather than telling myself that, I sort of played a little mind trick on myself where I would say, no problem, you can have cake. First thing you got to do is eat a huge box of potatoes. And I had a big Tupperware container of potatoes with me everywhere I went, really big one. And I'd say, all you got to do is get through that, finish it off. And then when, when you're finished, then if you still want cake, you can have it. So you know, plenty of times I was on the way home from work and pull in at the McDonald's car park and I'd sit in the car going, I've just got to get through this box of potatoes so I can go in there and get some McDonald's. <laughs> and I'd be scoffing the potatoes going, hurry up, get through it. And then sure enough, by the time I finished the potatoes, there was no, I didn't have cravings for anything anymore because I was full and I you know, I'd filled myself up with this perfect, um, beautiful fuel that my body needs and craves and wants. Uh, my, psycho- my psychology didn't crave it, but my body did. And, uh, and once I was full, it was, it was all good. And my, psycholo- my psychological cravings went away as well. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's yeah. so, so, so interesting. Um, and talking about cravings, you, you, you were speaking about cravings uh, in a previous talk I was listening to as well. Um, what, what kind of credence and credibility do you kind of uh, place in cravings? Yeah, well, you, you hear a lot from a lot of people about, you know, cravings are your, your body telling that you need something or, you know, your, your body, you know, if you're craving sweet things, that means you should eat fruit because your body's craving sugar from fruit or whatever the case may be. My thoughts on that are, is that it's all crap, basically. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, when I figured out that potatoes had everything I needed and they could provide me with all of the nutrition that I needed to keep healthy... Then I figured that if my body, if my mind, sorry, I don't think my body is uh, that much to do with it, but if my mind is craving whatever it was craving, there's no part of that that is a a nutritional thing. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to use that to say, oh, well, if I've got this craving, I need to have this because I'm obviously lacking something nutritionally. I knew that I wasn't because potatoes had everything. So my thoughts on that are that junk food... Basically, it triggers uh, the pleasure centers in your brain, it produces dopamine, and it, it has an effect a lot like uh, drugs or alcohol or whatever. It, it produces dopamine in your brain, and, and, uh, and that's why it's addictive, because you, you, you get used to getting this dopamine high. Uh, 
from eating junk food. So my thoughts on cravings are that basically it's, uh, there's nothing in cravings that, uh, that have my best interest at mm-hmm. heart. I think of it like there's a, a junkie living in my head and he's a, a you know, dirty, rotten um, heroin addict living in my head and he just wants a hit. And he's trying to whisper in my ear and say, hey, that, you know, the bucket of hot chips over there looks good <laughs> or that chocolate bar looks good. Why don't you have some? And there's nothing in that junkie that wants the best for me. Mm. It's, a, it's just a dirty junkie that wants a hit and it's, I've got to uh, stop listening to him, basically. Mm. You know, there's, it's like you, know, you think of the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other. The devil's got this big, loud voice saying, go on, eat the pizza, eat the chocolate cake, and the angel's just sitting over the other side going, oh, I don't know. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's not such a good idea. But you don't really hear the angel that much because it's a softly spoken, gentle person and the junkie's like in your face is like, um, like a used car salesman that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't care if you get a lemon that you have to spend your paycheck on each week keeping it on the road. He just wants his money. He doesn't care. He just wants to get his foot in the door and get you to buy the car and that's what cravings are to me. They're just, you can get everything you need from, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be only potatoes, you know, bananas, bowl of salad, some beans, whatever it is. You, you know, the, if you eat healthy, good, unmodified, unprocessed foods, then you're going to be healthy. There's, there's nothing in cravings that are going to make you get better nutrition than you would if you just chose some good, healthy, unprocessed whole foods. I think you're spot yeah. on with the, the way, especially the way the food industry has quote-unquote evolved um, over uh, over time. Uh, you know, p- perhaps once upon a time there was a lot more credibility in uh, your biology kind of alerting you to when you do need s- some form of sustenance. But now yeah. we are a product of uh, convenience food. I use the term food very yeah. loosely yeah. <laughs> because we really are just um, – most of us in the Western world are really just uh, consuming uh, preserved garbage. It's, not, it's yeah. not food. That's it. And uh, there's an interesting book called – I think it's called Salt, Sugar, Fat or Fat, Salt, Sugar or something like that, those okay. three words. And it's all about that. It's all about how uh, basically um, producing processed foods – for commercial purposes become a science and it's all about getting the exact right mixture of um, salt, sugars and fats in foods so that that um, triggers the, the taste centres and the pleasure centres in your brain mm. and makes it as addictive as possible so that you come back again and again and again. And that's, you know, these, these companies, even the ones that produce so-called health foods that you see in the health food aisle at the supermarket, you know, they're, they're, that's obviously slightly better stuff but in the end they still want you to buy as much of their food as possible and they're still trying to get that formula right maybe they have a few less chemicals and preservatives in their food but they're still using salt sugar and fat to try to get you addicted and coming back for more and more and more and yeah i think i think you're right i think it's a a blemish on the way a lot of corporate uh australia america a a, a lot of the western world uh operates and their mo really is just you know the bottom line yeah. how can we how can we you know sell more units mm-hmm. in order to uh get, and the easiest way is to hook people especially kids yeah. onto onto this food so we can just keep on churning them out yeah and once these these corporations lose their conscience then it, it doesn't matter about nutritional value it never probably did matter about nutritional value Absolutely, and you only have to go to Woolies or Coles 
supermarkets or any supermarket and you can see that the fresh food section is a little bit down the side mm-hmm. and then the processed food section is nearly the whole store. Yep. It's like, yeah, most of us are unfortunately eating from the, the aisles instead of the fresh food section out, out the end. And, um, you know, I go, I go down the supermarket these days, I don't even walk down the aisles, I don't even look at them. I just mm. go, most of the time I don't even go to the Coles or Woolies at all. I just go to my local fresh food uh, little shop sort of hole in the wall shop it's mm-hmm. like really small place it's just full of fruit and vegetables mm-hmm. and you know i get my potatoes and i get a few bananas and a few tomatoes and i'm done <laughs> fantastic yeah. so let's talk about you whilst uh you know we, we've been talking a lot about the emotional uh relationship that you've had with food and the evolution that you've kind of experienced over the last year year and a bit um you did have a team of doctors and professionals uh, with you during yeah. this year experience. Why don't you talk a little bit about their findings and what kind of um, did happen? How much did you end up losing throughout the, the year experience? Yeah, over the course of the year, I lost 53 kilos. Wow. And as of, well, I haven't weighed myself for three weeks or so now, but as of three weeks ago, I lost another two, so 55 kilos down, which was, I think, interesting because... No, I wouldn't. I don't know. I was going to say most, but probably not most. But it, definitely, a lot of people would predict that I would just put all the weight back on when I finished. But yeah. it's continued dropping, so that's good. But yeah, my doctor, uh, I went to see him with the idea at the beginning of the year, and uh, I said, "Hey, I'm just going to eat potatoes. Will you will you look after me?" And that was my wife's idea because you know, typical Aussie bloke. I was just going to do it. <laughs> my wife said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll support you, but you have to get a doctor supervising." and I said, oh, okay, that's probably a good idea. I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't just go and. I just, got a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. So I went and uh, I went and saw the doctor, and um, yeah, he initially was, oh, are you sure you don't want to add some broccoli in or some kale or things like that? And I was like, no, nah, I'm quitting food here. This is, uh, <laughs> I'm doing one thing. And he said, he said, well, what about sweet potatoes for a bit of variety? Because I was originally just planning on white potatoes only. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, they're still called potatoes. It's a different family of food, but it's still called potatoes. Can, you, can I convince you to eat them? I was like, yeah, all right. I'll, it's, if it's cold potatoes, so then I change my rule. I'll just go, if it's cold potatoes, I'll go with it. So, but yeah, so he, he gave me blood tests uh, four times over the year and full medical um, checkups and everything, and he was really happy. Every time, all four tests, my results just kept on getting better. Um, my cholesterol dropped, my blood sugars dropped, my... Um, my, I had a full fatty acid profile and that was spot on. Uh, iron, uh, was at the level where if I was like an elite athlete sort of riding the Tour de France or whatever, it was almost at the borderline where they would start suspecting me of blood doping. Really? And it was like, you know, it was also, everything was good. Everything was really good. And, uh, and I had DEXA scans too, which, yeah, right. uh, yeah, that's a, it measures your body composition basically. Mm. It's a really accurate, um, you lie down on the table and this scanner thing goes over you. And um, yeah, people expected that because potatoes don't have heaps of calcium. They mm. do have calcium, but not up to the recommended daily intake. And um, my bone density actually went up. It was already higher than normal at the beginning of the year and it went up very slightly over the course of the year. And my my muscles stayed about the same. I think I lost two kilos of muscle mass over mm-hmm. the year, but I put that down to at the beginning of the year, I was lifting a lot of weights and at the end of the year, I was doing a lot of running. So mm-hmm. that's what I put that down to. 
And uh, obviously my fat level dropped a lot too. And yeah, so that was really interesting to see that I didn't just waste away and my blood tests all were just good all the way through. So Fantastic. And my, even my resting heart rate was like 75 at the beginning of the year. I think it was 48, something at the end of the year. It's amazing. So yeah, it was, my blood pressure dropped. Yeah, everything was good. Yeah. Very cool. Um, do you have kind of a, um, a resource where you've, you've put them up online or you have, do you have anything where you can... Oh, uh, they're on YouTube videos. Cool. You can, you can check SpudFit. Uh, my channel's called SpudFit on YouTube and I've, every time I got a blood test, I made a video where I showed the blood test. But yeah, I probably should put them on my website so people can just get on and have a look without It'd having to watch a whole cool, video. would be a yeah. pretty cool thing to do, yeah. yeah. Um, so you, you ended up using sweet potatoes and um, white potatoes. Yeah. Did you notice a different, um, I guess, uh, response when you ate a sweet potato versus a white potato? No, not really. My, most of my diet was still white potatoes. Gotcha. I did have, it was probably, some days I would have sweet potatoes all day yep. and some days I'd have white potatoes all day. The white potatoes were much more common. Though. If I had to, I didn't actually measure it, but if I had to guess, I'd say it was probably like 80% white potatoes, 20% sweet potatoes. Um, but no, I didn't really notice that much of a difference. If I had an all sweet potato day, I didn't really feel much different than... I didn't notice any difference really gotcha. between that and a, and a white potato day, but... Yeah. Now talk to me. What was the most common form of potato cuisine or potato uh, <laughs> potato plate that you would yeah. kind of serve up to yourself? Give me give me the top three. Oh, the top three is easy. It was just mashed or boiled or baked potatoes. Mashed. That was boiled, nearly baked. all of my meals were those three. Okay. And uh, and it's interesting because a lot of people I get. So many people write to me to say um, I like the idea of this, but how do you keep it interesting? How do you keep it exciting? And um, and my response is always that from the beginning I wanted to make my food boring on purpose because yeah. I figured that the, if it was boring then like I said I would have to find other ways to get entertainment and enjoyment and comfort and emotional support and so I wanted to force myself out of my comfort zone so that I couldn't use food to get that dopamine hit and um, yeah so I did I'm not going to say I, I kept it totally boring all the time but most of my meals were either just plain uh, mashed or boiled or baked potatoes sometimes I used a little bit of sauce or dried herbs and spices and things like that but uh, yeah most of the time it was that and even probably from the beginning of November to the end of December nearly every meal I ate was just a plain boiled white potato I'd cook up a big pot at night put it in the fridge and then the next day I'd just eat them cold like an apple just eat them through the day and yeah, you right. can't get much more boring than that but that's Skin what I was all. happy with yep yeah just right. chuck them in a pot and I'm actually starting again tomorrow because my wife's decided she wants to do a month for uh, oh, really? March. So, yeah, I'm just going to do it with her. So I'm, uh, my plan this time is to be hardcore and not use any flavors or anything and just go um, just cold-boiled plain white potatoes for a month and that's it. <laughs> and uh, we'll see what happens. I'm really – I don't feel like I need to do it now though. I just I want to do it to support my wife and she's going to be doing it tough so I thought I'd make it as tough as possible as I can on myself so that I can, uh, you know, be in sympathy with her. <laughs> be a bonding op- opportunity as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what was the? Um, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, we were talking about what my uh, favourite meals were. So yes, uh, probably the best thing that I came up with was. Well, I didn't come up with it actually. I saw someone else do it and I copied, and I can't remember who it was now. But you get a you boil a plain uh, white potato, boil it until the knife can easily go through it, so it's nice and soft. And you take it out and squash it in a waffle iron. 
Okay. And, uh, and then you cook it like that for about 15 minutes and you've got crispy, crunchy potato waffles. They were amazing. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I made them a few times in the middle of the year and then I thought, no, nah, this is getting too exciting, so I dropped them. <laughs> you know what? And, and yeah. for that reason, I do love what you've done there and you've kind yeah. of addressed – it's incredibly innovative to be yeah. able to address that you got very excited about food and you realize what it was doing to you and you, yeah. you could very easily get away. So you're like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quash this straight away yeah. and just kind of make it as boring as, you know, as anything. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and credit to you, mate, because oh, thanks, it, mate. It, it seems like you, you've, you, you've kind of come heads and shoulders above where you were a year, oh, absolutely. A year and a half ago. How did you find that your, your emotional state to uh, kind of – um, travel from the through the entire experience. Uh, yeah, well, like I said, that first two weeks was really hard, uh, but yeah, after that it got a bit easier. And by the end of the first month was when I noticed, oh, hang on, it's been a few days since I've had a bad day, and like most days were bad days before last year. And then I was like, oh, okay, this has been like three or four days since I've had a down day. That's pretty good. I wonder what's going on here. And then you know, I reckon about two months, I was like. I think it's been a couple of weeks now since I've had a bad day. And then uh, basically I didn't have another one for the rest of the year. You know, I had, I had, I had bad, like normal sort of level, yeah, yeah. you know, your typical bad days that most people experience, but had plenty of them as we all do, but I didn't have the total like hopelessness down in the dumps. This is never going to end. My life is just going to be misery forever. I didn't mm. have one of those days mm. from for the rest of the year after that, that couple of months. Pretty and cool. Yeah, it was amazing. It was that was by a long way. Actually, I was going to say by a long way, it's the best. But that was equal best thing that happened for the year, along with getting hundreds and thousands, even of emails from different people that I've helped around the world too. But and that that no doubt uh, boosted my emotional state too from hearing from people that I've that I've helped. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just I started focusing on the little things in life and. Uh, you know, I, I just I do weird, silly things now that make me happy and make me laugh. Like the other day, I made a YouTube video about I was walking down the street and I do this regularly. I just I see a nice looking tree and I go and give it a hug. <laughs> and it's like it's not because I'm a hippie guy that's trying to get connected with the earth or whatever. It's just like it's a funny thing to do. And I'm on a main street and there are heaps of cars driving past, watching this big, tough looking guy with a shaved head <laughs> hugging a tree. It's a weird thing to do. So it just gives me a chuckle or. You know, I just I wrestle with my boy more often, and I do more exercise than I did, and I joke with my wife more often. Uh, you know, Great, I'm just yeah. There's lots of things I do that help with my emotional state, and I don't need food to to do those things for me. Genius, Andrew. Uh, very innovative, and uh, like such a wonderful thing to be able to help so many people around you. I'm sure it hasn't just been in Melbourne. I'm sure it's been Australia and even worldwide. Yeah. All around the world, I get emails every day. Uh, I think I probably had five or six emails today wow. from uh, from people that have made amazing health changes, and yeah, I just can't get enough of it. So that's what my life's about now. I want to try to help as many people as I can. Speaking of which, you have uh, a pretty cool website up here now, and you're now um, you know helping people every day. As you said before, you're a uh, you're a health coach. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if health coach is the right term. Please but, uh, cl- I clarify. <laughs> I don't know. I, I 
Well, I don't really, I've never worked with a health coach, so I'm not really sure what a health coach does. But A health coach can be whatever it means to yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I am, what I do is aimed at getting people healthy, so why not? Let's call it a health coach. But for me, like, my impression of health coaching is that you try to help people with their diets as much as possible. And for me, yeah, I want to help people with their diet, but I want more than that, I want to help people um, with the way they think about food and relate to food. And uh, I want to I focus what I do on food addicts and you know a health coach might focus on trying to get athletes to get a better diet to improve their performance for me it's about changing uh relationships with food and helping people to understand how uh the way they treat food maybe isn't helping them and yeah just get on top of that yeah i think it's fantastic and you know in in my intro to every episode i uh it starts with my sister actually saying i interview people who have been there and done that and andrew you have certainly (laughs) been there and done that and i I think it's a fantastic thing that you're uh offering your wisdom to and, and your experience just just humble experience to many people around the world and helping them achieve similar results yeah thank you and yeah like i said i'm not i don't consider myself an expert in anything other than me and all i try to do is just say you know people come to me with a situation and i say well i've been through that and this is what i did and maybe that'll help you too maybe it won't but hey you can't can't hurt to try <laughs> well good on you andrew um what's the name of your website your I, uh, url it's, it's just spudfit.com s-p-u-d-f-i-t.com and uh yeah awesome. you'll find everything you need about me in there and there's a really good well i think it's really good an fa frequently asked questions page so uh yeah you can find out pretty much everything you need to know about how i did it why i did it all those sorts of things through that page and yeah email me if you want to as well Good on you, Andrew. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Awesome, man. (laughs) Thank you, Andy. That was so very, very cool. Uh, Spoken straight from the heart and much appreciated. If you'd like to follow Andrew's journey and get in touch with him, I recommend you jump onto spudfit.com. That's right, spudfit.com. And I'm sure you can drop him a line. He was incredibly receptive when I did that for the first time. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of another episode. I want to thank you guys for jumping on board and listening to all the weird and wonderful guests that we are having on this show. And I mean weird in the most endearing way possible. If you are enjoying the show, please jump on iTunes, rate it, give it a star ranking somewhere in between five and five if you so choose and it will help so much to get the love out there to so many people that i believe need a little bit of tlc in this topsy-turvy crazy world that we live in after all your reality is what you focus on so why not focus on the good instead of the downright trodden